if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses, or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, 10 minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer. It is a Wednesday, the ninth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2020. We'll come back to the local stuff in a bit, but I want to go now and pivot to the biggest story over the Labor Day weekend. And that was the lie uh, that was planted and told and watered by the media. Uh, In the Atlantic, that President Donald Trump, uh, back in 2018 in a trip to Europe, decided to skip a trip to a cemetery because he didn't want the bad weather to mess up his hair. And he said, why would I want to go? This is according to the Atlantic. Why would I want to go and see those losers or suckers anyway? And I'm paraphrasing that because that was the story, of course, told by the Atlantic going into the Labor Day weekend. It germinated all weekend long. And again, uh, the uh, it was watered and uh, the, fa- the flames were fanned, as I mix my metaphors there, by the media all weekend long. Now, here we are on Wednesday, and it is still a story. Now, one man who has done some extraordinary work to counter that story and to disprove it completely is Breitbart's Washington political editor, Matt Boyle, who did uh, a couple of amazing stories talking to some firsthand eyewitnesses, including U.S. ambassadors and uh, top aides to the chief of staff, General John Kelly, uh, to get a firsthand account of what exactly happened there. And Matt Boyle is that Washington political editor who joins us right now. Matt, good morning. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. You know what? It's so big. It's so important that the truth come out here because, you know, it's, you know, what's the old adage? How does it go that a lie makes its way halfway around the world before the truth even gets its pants on? Something to that effect. This lie, yeah. yeah, this lie has circled the globe a couple of times and is on round number three. And there are still liberals who are pushing the lie and there are still you know, a lot of Americans who just don't know who may be convinced enough to believe the lie, and that's why the work that you're doing is so important. Tell us what you were able to uncover, Matt. Yeah, well, first and foremost, the Atlantic story is based entirely on anonymous sources, and so what we've done here is we started talking to people who were actually there with the president in France two and a half years ago when this bad weather call was made for him to not go to Bella Wood at the cemetery there. Um, and I heard in the lead in there the speech from President Reagan, right? Like, that's one of Reagan's best speeches where he talks about fallen soldiers. 
talks about the sacrifice and so on and so forth. Um, the, the President Trump was going to give a similar speech to that. I know that. Uh, uh, but he had to call it off because um, the, uh, the, the weather was so bad they couldn't fly Marine One through. And then for the Secret Service to put together the logistics of a motorcade to go on the ground through, the, uh, through Paris and so on and so forth uh, at the last second there, just, it wasn't feasible, so they had to call it off, and President Trump went to Ceresnes the next day. But the point is that this Atlantic story was based entirely on anonymous sources. Now, the question is, is could any of their anonymous sources have actually heard the president say this? At this stage, we now have heard from every single person who was with the president that day that has denied the uh, the account uh, in the Atlantic. So uh, the latest, uh, it, well, it, John Kelly himself has not spoken out, but his uh, his deputy Zach Fuentes. Uh, this was the big story we did earlier this week. Uh, did speak out and spoke out on his behalf. He said that you really think that John Kelly, whose son, by the way, was killed in in, in action, right? Like his son uh, died in combat, would really just sit there and let the somebody, anybody, whether it be the president or anyone else, disparage fallen Marines. Like, and um, I think that's an important point. And Zach Fuentes went on the record with us, denied uh, uh, the, the account in the Atlantic. So did the ambassador, uh, the U.S. ambassador to France. Uh, other people have already already spoken out about this. John Bolton, the former national security advisor. Again, no Trump fan has spoken out against this. Um, We've seen everybody else that was there on this trip has issued denials about what happened. Stephen Miller was in the room with the president. Jordan Karam was in the room with the president. Uh, they've both denied it. We've seen, uh, again, uh, Zach Fuentes' denial. We've seen I've seen, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. Matt Boyle, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I believe uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 firsthand eyewitnesses who were there with the president have debunked this and said it is an absolute lie. This was never said, as you point out, including some people who no longer work for the president who don't like the president. Yeah, nobody's gone on the record to support the account. And so what what had been happening over the course of the weekend, as you mentioned there, they, they put this out on Thursday, right before Labor Day weekend, so this would dominate the news over the course of Labor Day weekend, you know, which is the kickoff of presidential campaigns traditionally, right? You Correct. The conventions, this is the, the final two months home stretch, right? So they wanted this to put Trump on defense going into the general election, going into the final home stretch. And uh, so, the uh, again, that that's what they wanted. Now, they... they the establishment media over the course of the weekend kept saying, oh, well, we haven't heard from John Kelly. We haven't heard from John Kelly. Well, John Kelly's retired. He's not the, the White House chief of staff anymore. So he's not there anymore. So it's like, you know, the uh, idea that John Kelly has to come out and respond to every single fake news hit on President Trump is just, you know, uh, uh, to make it not true. It's just like an un- unbelievable standard. Uh, but the point is that so we finally got a hold of Zach Fuentes who was uh, President, Trump, uh, President Trump's deputy White House chief of staff, and he was the, the, kind of John Kelly's right-hand guy right. in the White House. And he made clear that this didn't happen. And so um, the media is obviously freaking out about this and claiming, uh, you know, worried that, you know, uh, uh, Fuentes' denial, they've talked about this as the most significant yet. Uh, but I think that this really undercuts the credibility of the story. As you mentioned, there's something like 15 to 20 on record, Denial 
uh, from people who were there with the president and zero people that have spoken out in favor of the allegations or uh, in support of the allegations against the president. So I think it's pretty safe to assume at this stage that this story from the Atlantic is thoroughly debunked. It's uh, completely discredited, and it's entirely untrue. Until Until someone goes on the record, uh, it, it cannot be believed, and uh, and 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 again, a person that would go on that would the credibility needed to restore or something to needed to restore the credibility of this article would need to be somebody that can demonstrate that they personally heard that the president said this, right? Like so, a first-hand account. You can't go yeah, with, and putting uh, their name on, on it. putting putting their name on it. Third-hand accounts, right? Like yeah, exactly. So and that's the point is that oftentimes what happens in and this is another point that Zach Fuentes made when I when I spoke with him earlier this week. He's the former deputy White House chief of staff, again Kelly's right hand guy. He he was saying that you know people are oftentimes conflate things in second and third hand. So what might have happened here is you know some aide might have said something to another aide, and then in the telephone game, you know you get three or four down the down the chain, and somebody that didn't even has never even met the president. Uh, you know, Ben goes and starts telling other aides this, and they all believe it to be true, and then maybe those people spoke to the Atlantic. We we honestly don't know because of the fact that they use anonymous sources. But the point is that there's, I, I think, next to zero chance that the president said anything uh, in uh, that he's like this, that he's alleged to have said about calling fallen soldiers losers and suckers. There's just no way that he did that. I know President Trump. I've known him for many years. Uh, I've never heard him say anything like this, uh, and I just think it's offensive that they would do that. And, and look, I think it's offensive to our troops, right? Like, it's offensive to the people who put their lives on the line for us. And then the other thing that we're seeing now in the wake of this is the left is now using images of uh, injured soldiers to attack President Trump, and some of them are speaking out. Uh, and they're saying, stop using my image for the, your leftist propaganda. And so I think that's a big deal. Uh, I think this is an insult to this, uh, to our soldiers. And look, part of the reason why they're doing it is, again, they wanted to put President Trump on defense going into the home stretch of the election. The other reason why they're doing it is President Trump is making the moves in, uh, uh, to get us out of America's longest war in Afghanistan. He's going to end this war in Afghanistan. He keeps moving in that direction. It's the biggest promise that he hasn't yet fulfilled. And in uh, and, and look, these deep states, you look, you put a fight. people want to stay at war forever. Yeah, that that's a big that's a big deal. In fact, let me follow up on that. I'm going to ask you two follow up questions. We're talking to Matt Boyle, who is the deputy, or excuse me, as the Washington editor for Breitbart, Washington political editor. Let me let me go back to Kelly. You said, you know, why should John Kelly have to come out and respond to every little thing? I agree, but this isn't a little thing. This is a big thing. This is a huge uh, a charge against the president that the left is running with, this giant lie. You mentioned that his right-hand guy said, no, this never happened. It would help a lot if General Kelly would say, of course he did not say such a thing. I don't have any love for the president right now because, remember, they parted on bad terms. He essentially fired General Kelly as his chief of staff. And now, of course, Mark Meadows is in that role. It would go a long way to ending this if General Kelly would come out and speak. Do you think that's going to happen, or do you think that ought to happen? Well, first off, I think that it should happen. I think that General Kelly should speak out. I agree with you. I think it would go a long, a long way. Uh, in helping that. 
But at the same time, uh, I, I think you can take Zach Fuentes' statement as a denial uh, from General Kelly. I think that he is, you know, he left with, with General Kelly. He's very, he came in with General Kelly, left with General Kelly from the White House. Uh, he, he's General Kelly's right-hand guy. He was his most trusted deputy uh, during his uh, time in the military, during his time at the Department of Homeland Security, and then again later uh, in the White House. And uh, uh, again, he made the point in his statement that General Kelly would not have just stood by and let anyone, even the president, make such comments regarding uh, fallen Marines. Uh, and, and again, the backdrop here is worth noting that General Kelly's own son laid down his life for this country. And the, uh, the, the idea that General Kelly would just allow anyone, including President Trump, yeah. to make such comments about fallen Marines or injured soldiers, uh, just not not true. I would imagine if he I would imagine that if General Kelly had heard President Trump say something like that back in 2018, General Kelly would have resigned his position as the chief of staff right there on the spot or in the in the subsequent days. They wouldn't have held it for two years. Exactly. That's what I mean. Right. They certainly would not have held it until 60 days before an election. This is clearly a planted story, a made up story. And I'm so glad that you and the good folks at Breitbart are doing the legwork to prove that. Great stuff with Zach Fuentes. Great stuff with the ambassador to France as well. Matt Boyle, thank you for doing the work and thanks for sharing the work with us. Yep. Thanks for having me. You got it. That's Breitbart Washington political editor Matt Boyle uh, about the fake story in the Atlantic. He went right to sources who were there, and there are some 15, 16, 17 people who were firsthand eyewitnesses to those, uh, to that trip and uh, to those moments in the decision-making on whether or not to go to the, uh, in the weather, the bad weather to the, uh, that cemetery, whether or not they could fly or not. Uh, 15, 16 people who were there have said that never happened. Four anonymous sources is all that they have to say that it did. So I think we know what's really going on here. Quick time out and right back. 1420 The Answer. Bob France here on AM 1420. The Answer. All right, 1026. <clears throat> Short segment here, but enough time for a call or two. Let's go right to it. Uh, the last half hour, by the way, is guest free, so plenty of time for your calls then. Dial now, get in line, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. I will have some audio for you on the other side of the news as well as we continue the discussion of critical race theory and the unbelievable uh, mandatory trainings uh, that attempt to demonize white people, quite literally calling white people demons simply for being born white. And uh, the fact that not only are corporations using this, but the U.S. government is mandating this training, the U.S. military is mandating this training, and somehow, someway, they think this is going to unite people along racial lines. <laughs> Andy is in uh, Middleburg Heights. Andy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Bob, I, I've... I've heard something to me is disturbing. We were listening to the Cleveland Roundtable Friday evening, mm-hmm. and the, the thing came up about Governor DeWine, and I, I'm behind you 100% with you about impeaching him on that, but there's something that disturbing that came up during that roundtable, said that that uh, his intentions, if Biden wins this election, that the, our Governor DeWine wants to be his attorney general. Now, I don't know how true this is. This is what was at the Cleveland Roundtable. If you would 
delve into this a little bit with uh, the knowledge and intelligence that you have. If this is true, boy, you are right on his tail. This is another rhino was put in there, and this is why we can't get the truth out of him because he's so busy lying about everything. But if this is his intention, if Biden wins, he's going to switch over to Biden, and he wants to be his attorney general. uh, Well, I'll I'll tell you what, Andy, and thank you for the phone call. I don't have any evidence of that, um, and I don't think so. And the only reason, not that I would put it past him, he has obviously proven to be a huge disappointment to Ohio Republicans when it comes to his uh, when it comes to his conservative uh, bona fides. Uh, He is not conservative, but I think he likes being an executive. I think he likes being in charge. I think he wants to remain the governor. And I know he, there was talk about him only doing one term, et cetera, uh, and that John Husted is ready to step in. But I think he is going to stay exactly where he is. He has held so many different positions for crying out loud. And he's a, you know, the ultimate career politician. But I don't think so. I don't think that's something he, he would want to take on. And quite frankly, I don't know that Joe Biden would pick anybody that isn't just as radical as the vice presidential choice he made. Mike DeWine might be less than conservative he is he might be a rhino he is but he is not a full-on liberal uh radical which is what joe biden is going to style i mean joe biden said he was going to pick beto o'rourke to be his gun czar in beto o'rourke said i'm coming for your guns hell yes he said we're going to take them away from you uh he picked the most liberal member of the united states senate even more liberal than bernie sanders who was a socialist How do you get left of a socialist? Kamala Harris managed to do it, and that's who he chose. He's going to pick people like AOC and members of the squids. They're going to get plum positions in a cabinet for Joe Biden if he wins. I don't think he would settle for a, well, a moderate uh, kind of liberal-leaning, not true conservative Republican like Mike DeWine uh, as his attorney general. Uh, But, by the way, speaking of Mike DeWine, Yesterday, uh, you may recall the interview that I had yesterday with um, uh, Governor Christy Nome from South Dakota, who was in town for a couple of events. She was in town in Cleveland, also in Columbus. When they were down in Columbus uh, at a dinner or, a, or at an event, rather, for uh, Ohio Women for Trump, Ohio Women for Trump, it got really embarrassing for Mike DeWine. It got really uncomfortable for Governor Nome as well, because the Ohio Women for Trump let Mike DeWine know what, he, what they think of him. And they do not think of him as being an ally of President Trump. I'll tell you the rest of that story. And in fact, maybe let you hear some of it coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1036, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. We've got open phone lines between now and 11 o'clock, so 24 minutes of outstanding, awesome phone calls, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. We'd love to get you on the air. A couple of things. Number one, somebody called off the air again and asked where I'm speaking tomorrow. If you would like to join us, I will be at the Father Reagan Knights of Columbus Hall in Avon. It's on Moore Road in Avon by... uh, by BJ's off of Route 611. It's the Avon, Avon Lake Republican Club meeting, 7 p.m. Uh, it is for conservative Republicans only. It is not a debate forum. Anybody who shows up to disrupt will be promptly removed from the venue. So join us for a celebration of uh, all things conservative tomorrow at the Avon, Avon Lake Republican Club meeting. We will talk about the election, and we will talk about 9-11, which, of course, 
uh, is Friday, the anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks. So I look forward to seeing you there, if you are. Uh, also, yesterday I interviewed uh, Governor Kristi Noem from uh, South Dakota, and she was phenomenal, as you would expect. She was phenomenal at the RNC during her speech. She has just been an extraordinary uh, spokesperson for handling things the right way, especially when it comes to COVID-19. Uh, her state did not lock down, did not declare some businesses to be essential and others to be uh, just uh, optional. She said everything is essential and everybody will stay open. And they did what they had to do to take uh, steps with respect to schools. Uh, they did not shut everything down. And they were a model because they had some of the lowest infection rates in the country. And Governor Kristi Noem is just, uh, you know, she's a rising star in Republican politics. So she was a guest yesterday. And I find this very interesting that Ohio Women for Trump, which is the organization, one of the organizations that brought her in uh, for an event, Ohio Women for Trump needed to bring an outside governor in to rally for Trump because our governor can't do it or won't do it. I mean, think about that. Remember, Governor Mike DeWine wouldn't go see or didn't go see, depending on what you believe, President Trump when he came into town a couple of weeks ago because he just happened to come down with the five-hour COVID, the five-hour vid. Yeah, I got tested this morning, and uh, I'm positive, so I won't be able to go see President Trump. Trump's motorcade uh, leaves on its way to the airport as soon as its wheels up. Hey, I just took another test. Uh, it was negative. It was, it was one of those false positives. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. That's what happened. I, I, you know, a lot of people, and look, I, I don't want to make the accusation, even though I'm kind of making the accusation. I'm just observing. Mike DeWine has been less than vocal in his support of President Trump, and that's perhaps why he did not want to meet with President Trump. And then here's the Ohio, in, Ohio Women for Trump event that was held in Columbus yesterday. And, you know, they have a governor coming to help rally the vote for President Trump in an extraordinarily important state, the Buckeye State, maybe the swing state of all swing states when it comes to electing Republican presidents. And, you know, instead of going to Mike DeWine, they go to Governor Noem from South Dakota because Mike DeWine can't be counted on. And guess what? They let Governor Noem know it. They thanked Governor Noem for coming and said one one of the uh, um Leaders of Ohio Women for Trump literally said to her, you're an interesting choice. It's pretty hypocritical that they invited you uh, because we have a spineless governor in our state, and I'm glad they did. And I agree. I'm, I'm glad they brought Christy Noem in as well. Like I said, she's a rock star. Uh, Christy, Christy Noem, in my interview yesterday, you may recall, I asked her about Mike DeWine and the difference between the way she handled things and the way Mike uh, DeWine handled things in our state. And she kind of really glossed over it. She didn't want to take shots at Mike DeWine, which I understand. Um, good for her. But they asked her about him last night, and she didn't have much of a choice when they started chanting, impeach DeWine, impeach DeWine, impeach DeWine. This is at a Christy Nome speech at Ohio Women for Trump. What she did say was, uh, our state, meaning South Dakota, can be an example that you can point to in terms of you know serving as a template for, uh, for how to handle the COVID response. She warned the Ohioans that trouble comes with leaders overstepping their authority in a time of crisis. But without saying Mike DeWine's name, she's referring to Mike DeWine, who has overstepped his authority in six ways from Sunday. And again, impeach DeWine was the chant at the Ohio Women for Trump event. I just find it very fascinating that we have a Republican governor and an all-Republican General Assembly in terms of the majority. 
And it's a red state that was carried by Donald Trump in 2016. And here we are in 2016, and we can't get, or 2020, I mean, and we can't get the Ohio governor to come out and, and, and help lead the fight to get Trump reelected? That Ohio's governor can't be counted on? They have to bring in Christy Nome. I think that's huge. I think that says a lot. And I feel bad for her, by the way, that she had to stand there in such an, you know, an embarrassing situation where she's there to support the president. And uh, uh, the women are essentially saying, we, we like you better than Mike DeWine. Uh, she wasn't going to address that, just like she didn't address it on my show. But uh, I think it says a lot. It says a lot that the Ohio women for Trump couldn't count on um, the Ohio Republican Party getting the governor of the state of Ohio to give a speech and to do something positive for President Trump that they had to bring an outside governor. All right, let me go to um, Sister Mary Grace in Old Brooklyn. Sister, good morning. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead. God's blessings. Our God reigns. That's all I have to say. And the thing is, a liar can't tell the truth. So if somebody lies to you, then what? But the point is, people know the truth. And the swine, I call it the swine, because a lot of this stuff happened during the swine flu. And they put in these different acts so that they can give everybody a mandatory vaccine. He can say all he wants, but the truth is the truth. It's called uh, a layman. Yeah, you know, sister, it is, and thank you for the call. Uh, you're, you call him DeSwine. I, I call him No Spine. Um, there's a lot of things you can call Mike DeWine. Just don't call him a leader because I don't believe he is one. I believe he is a, uh, he's somebody who has, whose power, uh, has gone to his head. I think he takes those few archaic words in the Ohio Revised Code about the governor and the, the executives having almost unlimited power in the time of a pandemic, and he has let that go to his head, and he has really essentially said, I am running this state. He is supposed to be one-third of the branches that run this state. He is supposed to be co-equal with the legislature and the judiciary, and he is not. He has essentially said, I will not listen to the legislature. I will veto anything they bring to limit my power because I am king. And it's uh, it's quite quite devastating to be honest with you to our economy and i think to ohioans morale as you heard yesterday again in that uh in that event with christy Nome. matthew is in medina on am 1420 the answer hi matthew go right ahead good, good morning bob thank you for taking my call uh like i told your screener uh i've been through it all bob i'm 93 years old now and i still got it pretty much together and uh what i have to say about this governor is uh, he is a Spineless louse. He has. He doesn't have the brains of a louse. You know, Bob. We had. I had chickenpox, measles, mumps, diphtheria, flu, and my brother Tom even had. Uh, he had all that we had because I had five brothers and sisters, and we passed it around. The only thing that he had was worse was the uh, rheumatic fever, and he was left with a heart murmur. But anyhow, what I have to say is, we didn't close down the state. We didn't stay home from school. We didn't wear masks. And uh, my mother and father took care of me, and that's what everybody else is doing. But, Bob, we got a lot of... We could beat this thing in a minute if everybody just say, go to hell, we're not going to stand for you. We're going to do what we want to do. We're going to go out. We're in the, You should see my hair. I can't even get a barber shop to give me a haircut. And I'm telling you that, that this guy has destroyed this country along with the with the state and that's 
asked about it, what do I got to say? And I said, God bless President Trump. We're going to win it by a landslide. And thank you for your time. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate the phone call. Uh, You know, God willing, he wins it by a landslide. And God willing, um, he does so, and we find a way to keep the peace. And I'm going to use that to transition to this story. You see the extraordinary levels of violence. By the way, there's actually a couple of ancillary stories I should point to here. The extraordinary levels of violence that are going on in cities all over this country. All of them Democrat-run, and all of the violence being perpetrated by Democrat aggressors. Antifa, Black Lives Matter, etc., etc. The first of the two stories will be the number of them. CNN is citing a Princeton study that found that of all of the protests that have gone on over the last three months here in the United States of America, 93% of them have been peaceful. And they're using that as a talking point to say, see, it's not as bad as they make it seem on Fox News. It's not as bad as Donald Trump makes it out to be. 93% of them are peaceful. We tell you overwhelmingly, the protests are peaceful. Why is everybody wigging out over this? Protests are peaceful. That's what they tell us. What they don't tell you is that the 7% of the protests that are violent are costing billions of dollars in damage to businesses, to personal property. It's costing jobs. It is costing people in terms of assaults and injuries and in some cases deaths. Somebody on Facebook today, on a page that I follow, and I can't remember who it was or else I would give attribution, but it wasn't mine, so I'll, I'll tell you that, did it this way. If you were in a crowd of 100 protesters and 93 of them didn't touch you, but seven of them beat you into a, a coma and put you into the hospital, the way which has been done, are you going to feel good about the fact that 93% of them were peaceful? Is it going to make your injuries hurt any less if 93% of them, 93 out of the 100 didn't beat you into a coma, but 7 of them did? That 7% has led to over 570 violent acts. Very violent acts. And they want you to think that the protests are peaceful. Yeah, don't believe what you see on Fox News. The reason you're not seeing the peaceful protests on Fox News or anywhere else is because they don't matter. Because they're doing it the right way, but it's not newsworthy. What's newsworthy is that somebody was dragged out of their car and kicked into unconsciousness. What's newsworthy is that somebody set a church on fire. What's newsworthy is that somebody set a police precinct on fire. That another group actually took over and commandeered a police precinct. Another is that windows were smashed and and high-end stores were looted. I mean, what do you want the news to cover? If people are just walking and chanting... It's not going to be newsworthy. The violence is real. The assaults are real. Which brings me to story number two. Off of what the caller was just talking about. He said he thinks Trump's going to win in a landslide. If he does, you had better be prepared for what we have seen over the last 100 plus days since the George Floyd incident in late May. That will be on steroids. Do you think the left, the radical Black Lives Matter, Marxist, violent terrorists, and Antifa, 
and Revcom USA, do you think they are just going to say, oh, Donald Trump won, well, we'll just have to deal with that for the next four years. They will take it to the streets, like I said, on steroids compared to what they have already done. And yet, this is the other part of the story, the narrative from the left is, is that Joe Biden has to win in a landslide, and if he doesn't, if he wins a close race, it's conservatives that are going to start tearing up the streets. At what point have you seen one conservative group going out and setting fires to buildings? At what point have you seen any conservative groups smashing windows and robbing businesses? At what point have you seen a a right-wing group pulling people out of cars and beating them? At what point have you seen conservative Trump supporters committing the anarchistic violence and chaos that is being perpetrated by the left-wing agitators right now? When Barack Obama won election, and we knew what he was going to do to this country because he promised he would, fundamental transformation, starting the path toward socialism, starting the path toward uh, racial um, division like we had not seen since the Civil Rights Act was passed. We knew what was coming. We didn't go to the streets. We tried to battle them legislatively. We tried to win the next elections, and we did, and to try to limit the damage you could do. That's what you're supposed to do when somebody wins that you don't like. But the left doesn't do it that way. The left does it with violence. They do it with Molotov cocktails. They do it with rocks. They do it with uh, water balloons filled with urine. They do it with frozen water bottles. That's how the left protests elections and the outcome of things that they don't like. The right doesn't do that. So what I'm telling you is, yes, Donald Trump better win in a landslide. Because if he wins a close race and the Democrats accuse him of cheating or of Russia being a complicit in some sort of a, uh, you know, a collusion to help uh, President Trump win, they will start a violent revolution. And when they do, and there aren't enough police because they're quitting, as I said in the opening segment, and they're resigning in droves, who's going to protect you? Who's going to protect your family? Who's going to protect your business, your home, your car when you're driving? Who's going to protect you? If you don't know the answer to that question, I suggest you find a mirror. Final segment coming up, AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Dave in Lakewood, you are on AM 1420 The Answer. Good morning, Dave. Go ahead. At the risk of sounding facetious, uh, when I see all of the stupid decisions he's made in the past four months, I'm curious what medical school. I'm quoting Dr. DeWine attended. That's my <laughs> input for your show. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. And obviously, Dave, uh, he was not uh, in medical school, but he was listening to Dr. Acton, Dr. Walking Labcoat, who was making all of the decisions. And she did go to medical school. Of course, she hasn't been a doctor for a very long time. She is a policymaker, not an actual person who sees patients, but she was the one who was guiding everything that Donald Trump was doing. Now, uh, he doesn't have her anymore, and now he's relying on an attorney to run the Ohio Department of Health. How about that? Lance Himes is a doctor. He's the chief health um, policymaker in Amer- or in the state of Ohio, rather, as the Ohio Department of Health director, but he's a lawyer, not a doctor. How about that? Jan in Greater Cleveland. Hi, Jan. Go ahead. Hi. I was listening to the Catholic station this morning. Uh, that's 1260. And I was really kind of uh, concerned because the host and her guest said that Homeland Security says that uh, the white supremacy is the most uh, persistent and lethal threat to our national security. And I thought, holy Toledo. That's... So I looked on the Internet and look, looked up Homeland Security and uh, white supremacy, and 101 uh, pictures appeared of various people in the news spreading that around. You know, have you... Do you know any white supremacist who's burned down a police station? No, I don't. Um, you know, here's the thing, Jan. <clears throat> Thanks for the call. Um, there are, you know, Homeland Security's job is to investigate threats and to identify threats and to keep an eye on and, ta- and, and take a look at threats. And, yes, there are some white supremacy uh, supremacist organizations that have made threats before that have... Um, you know, uh, they, they get together as armed militias and they talk people are afraid that they're going to go out and commit all kinds of horrible crimes. Now, generally speaking, white supremacists are scum. They're absolute scum. But it is not white supremacists that are out there burning and assaulting and looting and, and destroying and, and setting fires, et cetera, et cetera. It's just not. If white supremacists did it, I would condemn them with all of the anger and the venom that I have. But it's not. It's Antifa, and it's Black Lives Matter, and it's organizations that are pushing race or uh, 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 um, critical race theory through and forcing people to go through these types of trainings to, so that we accept those kinds of things. And I appreciate you bringing that up. And yeah, Homeland Security does have to watch all things, and they do watch that too. That's all the time we've got. We'll see you tomorrow on AM 1420, The Answer. Have a great day.